Crossroads family. I'm glad you're with us today. For those of you watching online, thank you so much for inviting us into your home or wherever you're at, and we are glad that you are with us this morning. Um, my name is Lenny. I'm your third string speaker for the day. Uh, Pastor Lowell is at home uh, recovering. And uh, Pastor uh, Looper was supposed to be here today. Um, as many of you know, he is uh, planning to, to leave to go to Kenya in a few months. And we were going to have him speak today and commission him. But unfortunately, um, he was a little under the weather. So he'll be with us in a few weeks. And so um, so Beachy texted me about the middle of the week and, and asked me if I, could, if I could speak. And so I have... Um, prayed and, and put together what I, I hope um, is the Word of God this morning. Um, I also ask that you pray for, for me and my family. Nathan has had a fever all week. Um, I have, my allergies are bothering me, and um, Wednesday I slammed into a canoe that I didn't see and about knocked myself out, so it has, uh, I'm excited what, what God is doing in our body, because clearly the enemy is trying to take us out. So um, I just ask that you, uh, that you pray for us. I found that video online this week as I was um, looking through through Facebook. I, believe it or not, you can actually find redeeming, um, uplifting, encouraging things on Facebook despite all the other stuff that's also out there on Facebook. But I saw that video today, I mean the other day, and, I, and it was so fitting for what I want to talk to you about. Now, I have to, to confess that, that the, the passage I'm going to be speaking on today um, is actually... Uh, um, uh, kind of uh, something I've been working on for several months. Um, Craig, oddly enough, um, used to, um, when I first came on staff here, one of the phrases that he used to use was deep calls to deep. And um, and so I had kind of started working on this this passage. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And, and the Lord really began to literally unpack verse by, by verse for me. And so I, I think it's fitting for kind of where we're at as a body. And, and so I, I hope that, it, that it's, um, it's meaningful to you. But the video, the reason that it spoke so clearly to me and, so, and fits so well with what we're talking about is I want to challenge us today that, that many of us, um, in our, I'm, I'm hoping that most of us in our lives wake up each day hoping um, that we encounter the extraordinary. That, that today is an extraordinary day and that when we, when we go to bed at night, we're, we're in awe of what happened today. But most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, wake up each day really while we hope that today is going to be extraordinary. The reality is we expect it to be ordinary. And I found that video and I, I couldn't help but think about how here's an ordinary guy who runs a car wash. Um, but, but he has a personal need, right? He, he says in the video that, it, that his son had autism. And so he's looking for a way to engage his son. And he, had, he realizes that there's a problem, that there's an issue, and that there's an opportunity. And that, that he has an opportunity by the work of his hands to not only engage his son, but out of that, he develops a ministry that enables him to engage other individuals like his son. And now he is seeing and experiencing an extraordinary event in ordinary circumstances. He's a car washer. Some of us in this room are bankers, business owners, homemakers. 
We're just ordinary people. But we've been called to do extraordinary things. I think another reason that this message is so timely for us is that for the last year or so, our church has been on a journey. Our, our family's been on a journey here. And you know, we started off when we read through the story together, um, a, a, a somewhat of a paraphrase, but a, a more chronological paraphrase of the Bible. And, and the Lord really began uh, as a family to unpack the Word of God for us. And then we, we spent some time doing a study walking as Jesus walked. And really beginning to look at the humanity of Jesus and, and Jesus not only as God but as man and how that relates to our life and how we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to walk as Jesus walked. But I think for all of us, one of the biggest struggles in walking out our faith is busyness. So we just wrapped up a series called Crazy Busy. I'll, I'll have to admit because of some vacation stuff in my life, I was too busy to finish the study. So Katie and I are a couple of weeks behind. Um, but the book, if you haven't read the book, if you didn't participate in the study, I encourage you to get the book and read through it. It's an amazing book and it has really, really um, begun to reshape some of the ways that Katie and I go about our lives and reevaluate what we're doing with our time. Because I think that for all of us, we want to spend more time doing the things that God is calling us to do. And that we recognize that we want the work of our hands to be significant. Now, I, I want to be cautious here because I know some people... Um, Work is a means to an end for them, right? It's a, the job, a job is something that they do to, to be able to afford them to do the things that they really want to do. They go to work, but then once they're done, they leave work behind. But, but their job affords them, affords them the financial freedom to be able to spend time with family and do all that kind of stuff. And, and that's great. But I want to challenge you that that's not the mindset that God has for us. That he doesn't just simply want us to survive our job. And as we begin to unpack this story in Luke in a minute, you're going to see that, that God's desire is to really use you in the place that you're at to do some extraordinary things. As I was preparing this, I, I had a conversation with, with Marianne the other day and we were talking about... Um, we were talking about social justice and we were talking about how oftentimes we as, as a church get motivated behind a cause or, or we feel like that, that we're not being a good Christian if we're not, if we're not actively engaged in, in some social justice issue serving. And, and one of the things that I loved about Crazy Busy is it really began to address that issue of going that, that we can care about an issue and not necessarily serving in that issue. That you can care about, um, about a third world country and the plight of what's going on over there, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're called to pack up and sell everything and move over there. And there are people that are called to do that. And, and I, I'm excited for them and I've been blessed to go on some short-term mission trips. But we can, we can, we can care about a cause. We can, we can have a, a, a deep, deep sense of responsibility for that that, that causes us to, to pray for that and to care about that. And, and not necessarily be called to serve in that area. 
My wife is a, is a special ed teacher. She, she teaches at J.M. Robinson, and, and she's amazing and gifted at what she does, and that's what she's called to do. But, but I look at what my wife does, and I'm going, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm wired for. And so I just want to kind of begin to, as we unpack this, to begin to kind of set you free from, from maybe, um, maybe we as a church have communicated to you that you're not being a good Christian if you're not actively involved in all of these things. And do I think that God is calling you to serve? Yes. Do I think that God's laying on your heart um, to, be, to, to care about something, to be engaged in something? Absolutely. But remember his... His first command is to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then love others as much as you love yourself. And and if you begin to spend your time doing that, I think you'll find the work of your hands that God is calling you to. And obviously, when I began to prepare this message, and even as as Beach and I began to talk about me me filling in today, um, we we weren't aware of all the events that were going to happen this week. And surely at the time that we began to talk about it, I wasn't aware that, that Billy Graham was going was to pass away. And, um, but but even, even his passing, the, the Lord really was teaching me something in the middle of that. And, and that, that Billy Graham, I, I don't want to undermine the greatness of the work that he did. But I also want to recognize that Billy Graham was an ordinary man. He was just a man. I mean, the old cliche is he got up and put his pants on the same way you and I do, one leg at a time. And I I, I promise you, if he were here, I I really believe that he himself would would be challenging not to look at him, but to look at the Christ in him. And the reason that I believe that Billy Graham didn't set out to be the success that he was is because Billy Graham, his his ability to public speak, his gifting, his charisma, he could have done a lot of other things and been been extremely wealthy. He could have been a sports announcer, motivational speaker. There's a lot of things that Billy Graham could have done, but he chose to take the gifts and talents that he had and apply them to the work of his hands, and in that, his ministry was built. And in a few weeks, we're going we're gonna to begin to transition into a study here on the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like that it's timely because I, I feel like that we as a church, we've, we've, we've gone through the scriptures. We have learned to walk as Jesus walked. We, we have now um, been, God is beginning to deal with us on how we free up time so that we can be the gospel. And now we're going to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's in, in learning to yield to the Holy Spirit that we begin to see things differently. The scripture that I'm going to be talking about is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret with the people crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. 
When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put in a deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and have caught nothing. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners to come over to help, help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell to his knees. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and Simon's partner. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you will be you will catch men. So they put their boats up on the shore and left everything to follow him. Let me give you a little backstory about about the about the scripture of the passage we just read. So for most of us, we you know we understand the basics of fishing, but for many of us, we um, we don't understand what fishing would have been like in in Jesus' time. So first of all, fishing was hard work. It was something that, that you did year-round. You, you did it in the heat of the summer and the cool of the winter, but, but fishing was a year-round um, work, year-round employment. Now, the fact that Peter and them were fishing gives us some indication about their education. Because if, if you were here a few months ago when I, when I preached, I kind of talked about the educational process. So if Simon and them were fishing, then, then they, were already, they were already out of school and they had completed kind of their elementary years. But, but they hadn't made the cut to become rabbis. So if you remember, I, the educational process was somewhat limited. Everybody kind of went through a, a, a stage. But then once you had kind of studied the Torah, then, then you were kind of tested. And only those that, that excelled in the scriptures and excelled in the things of God were called to go on to be, to be apprentices. And then you had to be chosen. And then you had to go through a, basically an internship with a rabbi. And you had to follow that rabbi. So the fact that, that Peter and them are fishing means that, that they... I guess in our terms, they had, they had not been eligible for higher education. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that, that means that they had learned a skill. And, and what we're finding in our day and age is that that's a dying art, right? More and more people are, are now starting to transition towards trade schools because they're learning about, they're learning to weld and do things like that. Those, those, a lot of those skills that were lost. So, so Peter and his partners are fishermen. And when you're a fisherman, you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to work hard. You have to, but you not only have to be um, somewhat of a skilled um, boatsman. You have to also know how to mend nets and do things like that. So you have to kind of be a jack of all trades because you're having to make repairs on your equipment and stuff like that. Not only that, but after you're done, um, you have to prepare the fish to go to market. And you have to transport them. There's a business aspect of it because you've got to pay taxes and, and go through all of those kind of things. Now their boats, their boats would have been about 20, 23 feet long, about 7 feet wide, and about 4 feet deep. That kind of gives you an idea of what these wooden boats would have kind of, kind of looked like. Um, they would have held about um, a little over a half a ton of, of supplies. 
their nets. Their nets would have been would have been about 25 feet in diameter, um, and and they would have um, they would have had to be cleaned daily because the, they would have if if they weren't cleaned and, and maintained daily, they would get holes in them and they would rot fairly fairly quickly. And then fishing, you would fish for a wide variety of fish with these nets. And, and remember that the Jewish people are only allowed to eat fish with scales, but they would also catch things like catfish and other things like that that um, actually had a higher market value for them because they could sell them to the Romans and things like that. And the way that they would fish is there's a couple of, there's a couple of strategies. One strategy was that you could, put, you could put the net on the shore and then you would take a boat and you would go out and then you would kind of sweep the boat around the shoreline like this back and you're basically sweeping the fish as you go. That was one way. Or you could go out, um, leave, the, leave the ends of the net on the shoreline, take the middle of the net out, drop it, and then you would pull it into the shoreline. And that's how they would make their, make their catch. But what they typically didn't do was take their boats out into deep water and fish because they weren't, that wasn't necessarily their typical way of doing things. And it's, it's important for us to understand that because what I'd like for us to do is take a look, um, if you'll indulge me, line by line um, at, at this passage because I, I just think there's so much content in it. And I also want to challenge you that this, this message is for you and I. That this isn't a message trying to hype you up or tell you to quit your job or to prove something. This, is, this message is, is really, I believe, the Lord challenging you and I that the work of our hands matters. And in, that if we, will, if we will open our eyes and yield ourselves to, to be more like Christ and to, and to follow the Holy Spirit, that, that we, can, we too will be fishers of men. The first thing is that the, the, in, very, in verse 1, it starts out one day. What's interesting to me about just that phrase, one day, is how many times the scriptures start off telling a story and it starts off one day. One day the disciples were doing this, one day Jesus was doing this. And I really begin to inquire the Lord, why is everything starting off one day? And God's going, because I want you to understand that there was nothing extraordinary about this day. It wasn't some holiday. It wasn't Passover. It wasn't, it wasn't whatever. This was just an ordinary day. Because, Lenny, I want you to understand that I do extraordinary things every single day. And I want you to start off by when you wake up in the morning going, today is one day. And I'm going to do something extraordinary today. And then I'm going to do something tomorrow that's extraordinary. And the day after that and the day after that. That one day is every day. My challenge for you and I is what does tomorrow hold for us? When we wake up tomorrow, will we recognize that God on any one day can do something extraordinary? In verse 2, it goes on to say, one day, you know, we, he, was, he, was a, he was standing on the shoreline. He was speaking to, to the people and he saw a boat on the water's edge left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And what I was challenged with on that is that, that, that Peter and them, they had gotten done fishing. It was, it was morning time. They had fished during the night, which was, was customary. They would park the boats and they would come over and they would work on their nets or they would get the fish ready for market and everything. And Jesus walked up and he saw these two boats sitting there, these resources that weren't currently being used. 
But they were an important part of what Peter and them needed to fish. And so I challenge you and I that we wake up every single day and we look at the resources that we have and we go, God, how do you want me to use these resources? Or better yet, how are you going to use these resources, these tools that you've given me in my daily life? How are you going to use these resources to do something extraordinary? And I think the scripture backs us up because it just points out that Jesus just saw two boats sitting there. And so he asked Peter to, to push one out a little ways and, and he got in the boat, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. And then he sat down and began to teach. I wonder what Peter's perspective was in that moment. Because remember, Peter had been on the shoreline working on his nets. But I'd be willing to bet when he pushed away from the shore a little bit, his perspective of what was really going on around him, what was happening in that moment. Because remember, there was a crowd that had gathered. So you would have had all kinds of market stuff going on. You would have had fishermen. You would have had tax collectors. You would have had people that haul the fish and, and sell the fish. And so it would have been this marketplace like your workplace. It would have been this marketplace that they were at. And I bet you that that was the first time when, when Peter pushed off from the shore with Jesus and Jesus began to speak that Peter's perspective of what was going on around him became different. And Jesus, and Peter recognized that in that moment that something extraordinary was happening because I, I'd be willing to bet the reason that Jesus needed to pull away from the shore was because it was getting crowded. How many of you, how many people, how many, how big of an audience do you and I have every single day in our daily lives as we go about our business? How many times do you and I miss the perspective and miss an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the marketplace? And so I want to challenge you and I that if, that if Jesus can take the simple resources that we have and begin to use them, then our perspective of what we can accomplish in the marketplace needs to change. And my hope is, is that when you and I go to work each day and that, that God blesses us with the financial resources of our family, but, but more importantly, he's giving us an opportunity to use that time to be his vessel, pun intended. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your catch. I think this is the one that I struggle with the most. Because remember, pushing out into deep water, I mean, the boat's, the boat's not that deep. It's not that big. It's not really designed for that. That's not how you fish, Jesus. I wonder how many times God is calling us to do something extraordinary in the ordinary, but because that's not how we do things, we miss an opportunity. The other thing that was neat about that is the fact that Jesus gave Peter 
a very specific instruction. Didn't explain to him how he was going to do it. He just said, push out into deep water. And let down your nets. Not in a hope that you make a catch, but so that you can make a catch. See, Jesus is confident in our ability to be fishers of men or he wouldn't have called us to be fishers of men. Jesus is confident in our ability to use the work of our hands to glorify him. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night. Hint, hint. Worked all night and we hadn't caught anything. But because you said so, I will let down your net. I will let down the nets. How many times do you and I work and work and work at the same thing, expecting a different result or hoping for a different result? But what we, what we fail to recognize is that Jesus is calling us to do something a little bit different. Same trade, I'm calling you to fish, I'm just calling you to fish in a little bit different way. The thing that I love the most about this is Peter was obedient. One of the most difficult things that I'm trying to teach my children because it really is an example of the blind leading the blind is that, that our obedience brings blessings and our disobedience brings conflict. Not because we have a God that punishes, but because I have a God of natural order. And, and when we're obedient, we pursue the things of God, we receive blessings. And, but when we're disobedient, when we walk outside of the will of God, there are natural consequences for that. But in this moment, Peter chose to be obedient. And because of his obedience, it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish... That their nets begin to break. Again, it's our obedience that brings blessings. And not only blessings, but an overabundance. I mean, God is calling us into an overflow. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The plans to bless and prosper you, not to harm you. What would you dream tomorrow? What would you dare to do if you knew the blessings that would be on the backside of that? They began to catch so many fish that the boats began to sink. So they had to signal for their partners to come over and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now I told you that they hold about a half a ton. So you're talking about a ton of fish. Now, they just got through fishing all night and caught nothing. And I did the math, and and if they packed the boat so full that they began to sink, that would have been almost a year's worth of fish that they caught in a matter of seconds. (laughs) My wife does not worry about finances. I worry about finances in our household. But I wish that I had the the freedom that she does, but she recognizes that in her obedience with our finances that God's provision is always there. And and I have to admit that, that God has always provided. And not only provided, but he seems to provide in a way that allows us to bless others. 
And so because of Peter's obedience, they began to, they caught so many fish that the boats began to sink. And, 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 it, and when we walk in the presence of the Lord, it's our overflow. And we can't even handle the overflow. And not only, not only can we not handle the overflow, but remember, he had to call his partners over. So now it takes, it takes a circle of people. It takes his entire circle of influence to manage the blessings that God has given them. That when you and I walk in obedience and we allow God to use the work of our hands and the tools of our trade to do the things that he's called us to do, the, the abundance of his blessings is so great that we can't do it alone. Right? That we need help. We need a community. That's why God calls us to be a body of believers because his blessings are going to overflow so abundantly that it's going to take all of us to complete his work. And not only is it going to take all of us, but, but think about how oftentimes when, when we're in relationship and when we're in, in community with one another, not only are, are, am I blessed, but, but my blessings end up blessing the people around me whether they were praying for it or not. Because when God blesses me, it blesses my family. And when my family's blessed, we're able to bless the families that we're in relationship with. When Simon saw this, he fell to his knees. See, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? It's the overflow and it's the blessings and it's the, it's the kindness that draws us to him. And I promise you if, you, if you live your life daily at your job, at whatever you're doing, and, and you live out of the abundance of what God's doing in your lives, it will impact the people around you. And it's that, it's that life led in Christ that will lead others to repentance. Jesus didn't have to give Peter a sermon or ask him to say a sinner's prayer or anything like that. Peter was so blown away by what was happening that he fell to his knees. How often do you and I fail to give God glory for the things that he's doing in our lives and we miss opportunity to invite other people to receive the blessing of Jesus Christ because, because we've acknowledged that blessing. I can't think of the number of times in which I remember a few years ago when money was a little bit tighter. I was just transitioning off of staff and money was kind of tight and we had to... Uh, I had to buy tires for the work truck and Katie really, really felt like the Holy Spirit was supposed to, the Holy Spirit was prompting us to give some money away and we gave more money away than we really had. And then all of a sudden I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to pay for these tires. And we begin to pray and we're like, Lord, we know that you called us to do this. And, and then all of a sudden I ended up getting like four tires for practically free. I got them for cost. I got an alignment for free. I mean, it was just, I mean, God just orchestrated that whole thing. And we made sure that we shared that story with as many people that could, would listen to it. Because we wanted people to understand that, that we were obedient and, and, and we had some doubts and some insecurities. But because we were obedient, God blessed us and we wanted to make sure that they understood the blessing that we had been given. It says, for he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch 
of the fish that they had caught. We don't live in a vacuum. Our lives matter. The work of our hands matter. Our life in Christ matters. This isn't a, this isn't a call for you and I to be involved in something extraordinary. I get the importance of gun control and abortion and all of the other things that are facing our culture. But I promise you, if you and I, as the people of God, would just simply live an obedient life to Christ and that we would get up in the morning thankful for the work of our hands and thankful for the blessings that we have and we go to work and we work hard and we share our testimonies with people and we love people and we share our lives, we wouldn't need to argue about violence and abortion and things like that. Those things would take care of themselves if we as the people of God would be the people of God. The issues that we face today are from a moral decay of our society and we are called to be the fellowship of believers, a community of saints. And not only was Peter and the other people around him were were astonished, but so were James, John, who were Simon's partners, who later came on to be disciples just like him. I thought about that and I thought about how Tracy, I had no idea Tracy was going to share that testimony, but, but you and I have an opportunity, if nothing else, to make disciples within our own families. That, that Peter being obedient to Jesus, the people that were closest to him came into the presence of the Lord and became disciples. That you and I have that opportunity today. That you and I can find the extraordinary in the ordinary. Jesus isn't calling you to be famous. He's not calling you to be great. He's calling you to be a lover of people. He's calling you to love people while you're making tents or while you're fishing or while you're doing whatever. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and I want to... I want to close with a with a verse and a quote real quick, and it's it's from Second Corinthians six eleven through thirteen. It's one of my favorite um, passages. It's the Message version. It's actually um, kind of the the Genesis version for Capstone, the, the ministry that Bobby and I started. We started off as wide open ministries, and it and later became Capstone. But but this verse was the verse that God kind of used to to resonate in me as I was I was at a conference one day and I was praying, God, I want more, more than anything in this world, I want the work of my hands to matter. I don't want to be rich and famous. I just, I just want to be used. I just, I just want my daily life to have value. And the theme for that conference was this. And where it says Corinthians, you can just insert your name. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. And I close with this. Billy Graham said, Being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ.